Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to a brand new series that I'm telling you, I think it's just going to be one of those life-changing messages, not because I'm such a great preacher, but because there's great content in this. And really, I'm going to be answering probably the question that I'm getting asked, maybe more than any other question. And, And it's simply this, is the law bad? You know, you're hearing a lot of voices out there saying a lot of different things about the law, about the Old Testament, about the commandments, about the new covenant, about the grace message, uh, you know, all of these different things. And, uh, you know, sadly, uh, people are able to really find enough scripture to present almost any case that they want to to present, whether it's good or bad, whether it's for the law, against the law, it doesn't really matter. I want to say this. First of all, I am a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I follow him. I don't follow the law. I don't follow anybody's particular doctrine. And that that means that if uh, if I want to follow him, I, I need to know his doctrine. I need to know what he taught. And so I'm just going to approach this whole thing. And we're calling this first message, Looking Past the Veil. Now, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, there there is a letter in in the Hebrew language, every letter has its own definition, and it really shapes the full definition of a word. It's just such a phenomenal language. In fact, it's the language that God spoke. So, uh, you know, I'm thankful I spent decades learning about Greek and how to, you know, translate it and all that kind of stuff. But man, I wish I had devoted all those years to learning about Hebrew first, and then later learning about Greek. But I am where I am. And the point is this. Every letter has a definition. So there is a letter that's called the A-N. It's kind of, it looks like a stick figure with eyeballs. And the A-N represents uh, perception. And I can't tell you how many times, and we'll look at this all through this series, but I can't tell you how many different times um, God will say something and it seems like there's it's very cut and dry. It seems like it's very emphatic. But then you'll have this letter A-N in the word we're talking about, you know, look on this, ponder on this. And you start realizing that that letter has to do with perception. And so there's so very many times that in, you know, our English translations that we think God is just say, well, just look at this. Take a look at this. No, really, God is saying, look at this and find his way to establish his perception about what you're seeing. And so, uh, you know, we, we've got a scripture, powerful scripture. I, I, think, I think everybody should know and understand this. 2 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15, uh, Paul is talking about the difficulty in being able to bring the gospel to his generation. 
And so he says this, he says, for what is passing away, or excuse me, what if what is passing away uh, was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. So basically he's saying, you know, the old is passing away, the new is coming, it is far more glorious than the old. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look at the end of what was passing away. Now, so he's using uh, Moses uh, as an example and really as a type to say Moses wore a veil over his face uh, because the glory of God literally was manifesting in him. But it's kind of interesting how that he says, but even though that was that was manifesting, if they could have seen the end of it, they would have seen that that's going to pass away. And that in itself is so incredible. But it goes on to say, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. Now, it's just so incredibly interesting to me that he talks about this veil blinding people's minds. And when you study the history of Israel, and you, you know, you, you, you seem like God was so unfair to him, you seem like God was so unkind to them. But what you discover, even though God repeatedly, time and time again, revealed himself, and we're going to go through so much of that in this series. But God continually revealed himself, yet their perception and their perception, they never could see him as he was. And the result of that was that they never trusted him because you can't see God if you don't or trust God if you can't see him as he is. So this is what Moses is talking about. But he's saying, even to this day, there is still a veil over the eyes of people uh in the reading of the old testament or the reading gets more and it's not just reading it's reading it and understanding it and he says because the veil can't be taken away until christ is in their heart so another interesting story about perception one of my favorite stories uh was when jesus was dealing with the um with the lawyer that came to him and so this was a man that his whole life was about, about knowing the law, teaching the law, forcing other people to not obey the law. In fact, really, by the time Jesus came, it wasn't the law that people had to obey. It was uh, the legalistic interpretations of the law. You know, there were 613 laws that governed all of the civil, social, justice uh, every, everything, everything from relationships to health, uh, to, to, you know, the judicial system, all those kinds of things. And so you figure 613 laws, you know, I don't even, I don't even know if my house could hold all of the reams of paper that it takes to write down all the laws of the, in the United States. And of course, no, nobody follows them. So it doesn't really matter. But, uh, 613 laws, that's not a lot of laws when you consider your, you are you're codifying everything that has to do with how to manage your personal life, how to manage health, how to manage money, how to manage your relationships, how to manage your children, 
how to manage the government, you know, how to have a judicial system, how, how to manage the economy of, of a government. 613 laws, that, uh, that is just absolutely phenomenal. And so I won't go into the history of how it happened, but basically uh, the, the judicial system of the Jews, which eventually became the Sanhedrin, and I don't know that there was ever any real biblical authority for having uh, the Sanhedrin uh, exist in the form that it did uh, in Jesus' time, because it was like a Supreme Court. And one of the things that the Bible teaches all the way through when it comes to ruling bodies is uh, if you concentrate power or too much power in a, in a small group of people, they pretty much always become corrupt. You got to remember, it was these, this Supreme Court of the Jewish people, which their job was to rule on cases of how, what should be done when people broke the commandments, uh, how it should be settled. And instead of doing that, they did exactly what judges in our time came. You know, all of our laws are clear and simple and really easy to understand. And we could have a great country all the time in a great economy if uh, anybody observed them. But instead, they did exactly what the judges of our day do, and that is they, they did not bring justice based on the laws that they had. They interpreted the laws pretty much you know, to, the, to their benefit. Don't want to go too far in that. But anyhow, so we, we see that there was this corruption. And so Jesus constantly had to deal with people that just like the children of Israel when they came out of uh, Egypt, uh, that really believed things about God that weren't in the Bible. I can tell you how many times Jesus would say, you know, you have heard it said, but this is what is written. And I find that to be a great distinction. This is what you have heard, but this is what uh, has been written. And maybe we'll get a chance to explain a little bit, bit of that. It gets really, really important. Matter of fact, you know, you can get an audio series that that I will produce to go with this series, because a lot of you are going to want more theological answers. You're going to want to take a deeper dive, and uh, you're going to want to find ways to help yourself, help your family, minister to your, to your uh, uh, congregation or whatever. So be sure and, and check it out. And plus, that's one of the main ways that we raise funds to be able to go into the world and raise disciples all over the world. We're going to, we are in the process of raising a billion disciples all over the world. And that's, that's largely how we pay for it. But now there's a, so there's another story here. And, and so the, the law, the lawyer there, he comes up to uh, Jesus and says, look, what good thing must I do that I might inherit the kingdom of God? And you know, what's interesting is we don't catch it, but really, uh, he had a contradiction of terms because if it's an inheritance and you're going to do something to get it, then you're working for it. So it's not really an inheritance anymore. Jesus, he was the master communicator and he didn't even try to answer the question the way the person asked it. So Jesus came back and asked him two questions. And the two questions were this. Well, the first one was, what is written in the law? Now, here's something that I've discovered, and you're going to discover it through this series. 
what is written is the raiment and how it is lived to be in harmony with God's original intentions is the logos. And I know all the way through the charismatic word of faith, you know, Pentecostal movement, that definition was totally reversed. And uh, you can look it up in any decent uh, uh, language book. The rhema is, is either the verbal word that God spoke or the verbal word that some preacher spoke. The logos gets into the logic, the wisdom, the character, uh, all the things that come together to make the word have meaning and have value in your life. So here's something, by the way, I, I've noticed, you know, I've been in ministry uh, about 52 years, and uh, I've always worked one-on-one -on -one with a lot of people, and I always let people ask a lot of questions, but I have found when somebody's trying to work through a problem, and so you ask them what the scripture says, these days, not enough people read the Bible to even give you a scripture, because they haven't even taken the time to go read the Bible, try to find out what God said about how to solve the problem. And I hate to say that, but that's just the way it is. But uh, when somebody answers and they've got a scripture, usually if, they, if all they've got is a scripture and they can't tell you then what the Bible says about how to apply that scripture, then they're really misusing it. And they're, they're just using that scripture to, to win the battle or to prove themselves right. So Jesus did something we almost never do. Once somebody quotes the right scripture to us, we're like, well, I guess you're right. Well, you know what? Uh, he asked this next question, and this next question is, is the catcher. He says, so first he says, what is written in your law? And then he says, and how do you read it? Or what is your reading of it? So really, he's not trying to zero on whether or not the guy just knows the scripture he's wanting to know how he interprets the scripture and so you know he he quotes the scripture that we're all familiar with where he says you know you should love the lord your god with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind uh all your strength and you should love your neighbor as yourself now that scripture that goes miles toward starting to understand that uh, knowing, knowing what the Bible says uh, doesn't mean anything if it doesn't bring you into loving people. If you, don't, if you don't love your neighbor, then you really probably don't love God in the way that you might think that you do. And that's not an indictment, but that's why these two commandments are put together. Love, love God. Now, if you just stop there, you can say, I love God so much, I'm going to kill people that disagree with me. I love God so much, I Anybody that goes to a different church, going to kill them, going to burn the church down, whatever. But once you bring the fact that we understand the love of God to the degree that's reflected in the way we treat people, you go, oh, oh, well, that's a whole different thing. And so um, Jesus told him, he said, you know, you have answered that question, right? Do this and you'll have eternal life. Well, Jesus knew he couldn't do that. And evidently, his heart immediately uh, condemned him. And so he needed to justify himself. As he had a guilty conscience about answering this question. And so he says, oh, oh, I, okay. He says, look, I, that's, that's good, I, you know. But he said, I do now have one more question. Who is my neighbor? And so Jesus gives him the parable of the Good Samaritan. I'm not going to go into it and read all of it. But basically, 
in this story, the man, a man is on a trip and, uh, you know, he's robbed, he's beat up. And uh, the only person that will help him, you know, a priest comes by, you know, whoever, all these different religious people come by and a Samaritan comes by. Now, a Samaritan would be the equivalent to a black man stopping to help a clansman. In other words, these, the Jews hated the Samaritans almost more than they hated anybody. And um, anybody that was a Samaritan, they considered to be them anathema because they're, they're, they had created a sub-race, if you will, uh, within Israel, and, and it was all based on compromising the word of God. So, you know, Jesus puts this out there, and you notice that Jesus really doesn't correct him so much. He doesn't really try to explain it all to him. Uh, Jesus ministered to people in a way that their own heart would speak to them, that the, the, the Holy Spirit would have something to work with. So this guy knew the scripture. He not only knew the scripture, he was a lawyer. In other words, he was probably in one of the lower levels of the Sanhedrin. And so he was a lawyer. He knew the scripture. Uh, but the real truth is he had no idea what that scripture was supposed to look like in actual application. He had a veil over his eyes. So that scripture we read earlier about Moses uh, and how that he, he wore that veil, that veil kept people from seeing uh, the glory of God in him. And he's saying, there is still a veil that remains, and that veil is taken away in Christ. Now, I'm going to submit something to you, and you, know, this, you may just turn me off right here, but I don't think that he's saying that veil goes away just because you get born again. Uh, you know, the Bible teaches this thing called renewing your mind and establishing your heart. And so it, it's deeper than just learning scriptures and being able to quote scriptures. It's deeper than just going to church. It's deeper than giving the right answers. This, this guy was like a kid in school. He gave the right answer on the test, but he had no idea, uh, you know, how he was, how he was going to be able to live it. In this series, I'm going to take you to a place called understanding. You know, the Bible says that knowledge is easy to him who understands. Now, understanding, according to the word of God, is not a capable capacity of the mind. It is a capacity of the heart. And with our mind, we tend to create um, this dichotomy where, where is it, the answer is either this or it is that, and it can't be both of them. And I'm not talking about relativity here, but uh, what that does to us is the mind always seeks to prove that we're right because we got a false security out of being right. And the real truth is, not only is there biblical evidence, but this biblical evidence is supported by studies in psychology, by studies done by doctors and scientists all over the world, that once you form an opinion about something, it changes your perception and I mean, it changes it in ways that it's hard to believe. It, it is so incredibly dramatic.
But the way we read the Bible, the way we look at people, the way we interpret people's actions, uh, uh, the way we justify our behavior, all of those things really are the product of perception. And if we can learn to look past the veil, and looking past the veil isn't, I'm in Jesus, so the veil's taken away. Man, if that were the truth, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have churches uh, that are full of hatred, full of racism, full of immorality, uh, full of people hating people. You know, full of the same things that you see if, if you get in the worst part of town. It wouldn't be that way because the veil would be taken away. They would see God as He is, and and they would experience the glory of God in their lives. So we're going to go on a journey to help you not use that religious cop-out that says, well, I'm in Christ, so the veil is gone. And we're, we're going to present a biblical model, a biblical standard, and some a lot of biblical examples that show us that there is a depth to us yielding to uh, the Lordship of Jesus, yielding to and listening to the Holy Spirit as he teaches us, uh, learning to recognize his voice in our heart so that we we perceive Christ. Therefore, we don't have to perceive the world through the law or through any other type of religious concept. Now, I don't want to get you under the law. You know what? I'm and a handful of us back in the, uh, in the, uh, 70s and the 80s, there was just a handful of us that pioneered what is the current grace movement all across America and all over the world. So I'm not trying to get you, I definitely don't want to get you under law. I definitely want to get you a yielding to the grace of God in every area of your life, but I want to help you open up in a way that's going to move you past the limitations of your perceptions. Now, I'm going to read some scriptures here. And, I, and again, this is not to persuade you to be a legalist. I hate legalism. I despise it. It destroys people all over the world every single day. But listen to this. First Timothy 1.7 says, talks about people who, there are people who desire to be teachers of the law, and they don't understand what they say or the things that they affirm. Now, Right off the bat, you get a little hint here. He's not just condemning them because they teach the law. He's condemning them because they don't understand what they're talking about. They they talk about the law. They may even teach the law. They may even be trying to get people to come under the law, but they have no clue what they're talking about. Verse 8 goes on and says, now listen to this. We know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Man, I don't know about you, but that's that's kind of a clear distinction. So, so I'm starting to have to ask myself this question based on what Paul said uh, pertaining to Moses. And the word, by the way, the word uh, Old Testament, where it says is the Old Testament that uh, causes people to have a veil. In the Greek, that's not the word, that's not the word Old Testament. That's the word covenant. You see, there's a major divide 
if we think that our issue is with the testament, you know, a testament, which is really a bad translation uh, of the original language, but a testimony is just, or a testament is just a testimony. In other words, the Bible was divided up into two parts, uh, should have never been done, but uh, the one part was called the Old Testament. Well, really, it's all one book of a testimony of God or a record of God's interactions with man. And uh, it doesn't matter if it happened a thousand years ago or it happened when, yesterday when you were praying for one of your kids. It's still valuable and it doesn't lose value. So, so it's not talking about everything, everything we call the Old Testament. But anyhow, the key here is that the, the veil that was over their eyes is not the Old Testament. It's the law or the covenant and the way they used it. And so Paul is saying here, uh, the law is good if you use it lawfully. So suddenly you go, oh, wait a minute. Based on what I'm seeing, maybe the problem isn't with the law, but maybe the problem is with how people attempt to use the law. So I love this one here, Galatians 3.21 it says, is the law against the promises of God? Because, man, I, I see people preaching that, teaching that. And he says, God forbid. If there had been a law that could have given life, verily righteousness would have been by the law. So he's not condemning the law here. He just said, the law, not only does the law not give life, the law was never designed to give life. So, in Romans 3.31, he says, do we make void the law through faith? God forbid we actually establish it. Now, he is not talking about going back under the law. Paul was the greatest advocate for coming out from under legalism. And uh, you know what? In this series, you're going to discover how really some bad interpretations have really affected the way we understand and really even if we're not even if we're not putting on legalism the problem is there's a lot of other veils that we can put on our mind that keep us from seeing God the way that he is that keeps us from seeing the glory of God that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ this is going to be positive it's going to be edifying and I'm going to back it up with all the scriptures you can get the audio series um right away and be following along it's not these are not just duplicate messages i always put a lot of extra stuff in the audio because i got a lot more time to do it listen don't forget to go to impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com check out our operation one billion if you want to help me raise up a billion disciples around the world we'll tell you how we're going to do it or actually how we're already doing God bless you. I hope you enjoyed this so far. Share this with people who are struggling with these questions, people who are struggling with understanding law and grace and how it all comes together, and uh, you'll be able to help them be able to take them on a great path. All right, I'll talk to you next week. Blessings to you. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers Podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. 
Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.